Hello and welcome to Garagarot of this Town, a pop-punk and emo-pop archaeology podcast. I am, as always, Elaine, and with me there is a human being. It turns out that even in the summer vacation arc, you can't get rid of Sybil. I still haven't heard what you did last episode. I am extremely scared and looking forward to hear it. Both of those things are true. It's very polite. I'm imitating uh, the most... I don't know how to phrase this correctly... The most proper queer energy straight guy on YouTube in Jeremy Parrish. <laughs> Have you seen his hats? <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, I don't actually know who this person is. Oh, you might like them. How do you rate the problematicness between Zero and um, a Goldfinger bonus track? Mm, uh, I would say it's probably about a four. I made sure to use no slurs, and it's no worse than some of the things I say on the main show. Okay, that sounds that sounds acceptable. What are we doing today, though? Well, we decided to pop down to one of them record stores what sells old albums and look through the used bin to find the used by the used. Yeah, I, I, I was I was thinking, does someone trying to buy the used by the used used, does it leave every time to like a who's on first kind of thing? This is a terrible joke. Let's go and talk about the history of the used. Oh, I guess, I guess first we should... I don't know, did you know the youth before this podcast? Yes, I did, because there's one track on this album I'm bloody sick of. <laughs> oh, is, is it the one in our, um... Is it the one in our, uh, intro? Uh, I don't think so. The intro is not Taste of Ink, right? Yeah. Na 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 this town na 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 Huh. Yeah, we have a bit of that in our intro since the beginning of this podcast. I have never noticed it. I hate Maybe I this take town. It in... I hate this fucking town. Na 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 gonna leave this town. Da 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 town. I, I can do the whole intro if you want. It's not gonna be good because it's just me mumbling, but I can do the whole intro. I think the part where I can't pick out 99% of it means my brain just sort of turns it into a comforting audio collage. <laughs> that is what we are. A comforting audio collage of uh, vocal sounds. Mm-hmm. But initially, the used began with Brandon Steinekert, Quinn Allman, and Jeff Howard. And they continued bouncing from band to band without ever really finding a vocalist that could satisfy their five-finger death punch style. Even after multiple auditions. Eventually, they traveled to the top of a ziggurat and discovered Burt McCracken, and Burt McCracken liked them enough that he would join their vagabond band. Didn't bring with him the Alien Mindbenders, or whatever was the title of that game, though. So that's a disappointment. Zack McCracken. Same thing, come on. I'll have you know that if it was in any way a weird, slightly horny adventure game from the 80s or 90s, I grew up playing it. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. There were a lot of those. There was Rex Nebular and the Cosmic Genderbender. There was Leather Goddesses of Phobos 1 and 2. There was... Yeah, I could keep going. Yeah, no, I got, I got, I got the point. Point taken. 
Speaking of the point, when asked about their influences, the band are so just such complete brain geniuses that they will say, we love great songs and songwriters. It's great. Yeah, I I love great songs and songwriters too. They're great. How could you not love something that is great? They love it so much they won't sully their band with it. <laughs> Most of the band faced issues with homelessness and addiction during this time, especially McCracken, who was once asked by MTV to start an interview, what do you get when you combine Mormons, homelessness, and drugs? To which his answer was, addiction, poetry, heavy metal, alt-punk, and emo? Okay, props to him. That's, uh, that's a good comeback. Mm, yeah. Eventually, they recorded some demos and got in contact with John Feldman of Goldfinger fame, who at this point was very much doing the A&R thing more than the transphobic scatting. So he liked their songs. And given that all of the members of the band were cis, he was like, yeah, I'm going to fly you all to LA and uh, I'm going to help you find a record label. After only one year after the used or, you know, used how they were originally named, formed, they join with Reprise Record, changing their name from Used to The Used. Because apparently there was already some band that trademarked Used without a D in front. And they start working on their first record, which is The Used by The Used. It's a- And The Used, The Used is produced by our problematic friend John Feldman, as we mentioned, released on the 25th of June through Reprise Records, and has singles released in the form of The Taste of Ink, Buried Myself Alive, and Blue and Yellow. None of these will really break into the mainstream, but they will chart on the Billboard Rock and Alternative charts, and the record peaks at a pretty solid 63 out of 200 eventually becoming a platinum record. The success will lead the youth to tour, you know, the usual, the usual circuits, Warp Tour, Oddfest, supporting Boxcar Racer on their only tour ever, and uh, even leads to Burt McCracken starting to date Kelly Osbourne and appearing on an episode of The Osbournes. Remember The Osbournes? I do remember that time that Nick Osbourne crashed a car and tried to rip off Bleach? No. That might also be um, Gene Simmons' kid. Let me remember which one did the Bleach ripoff Anna manga. Anyhow, the, op- the episode in which Burt McCracken appeared uh, was called Beauty and the Bird, which, you know, that's quality television writing there. Nick Simmons, my bad. Okay, that's fine too. I'm sure Gene Simmons had a reality show at some point. He did, and you don't want to go there. I certainly don't want to go there. But yeah, this is the story of the used so far. And um this is the story of the used who walked around black and bruised. And while they look so sad in photographs, you absolutely love them when they flail. I mean, that song is way better than anything on this record. That I don't hate this record, but... That is a good song. No, this is firmly competent, but I just saw a completely easy avenue to go down. Let us talk about this record. Let us talk about The Used by The Used. Uh, it starts off with Maybe Memories, which is good title for a song, good alliteration, which opens with pretty heavy post-hardcore guitars, 
and you know loud singing and aside from that the song is a bit of a mess like it doesn't really have a solid structure a lot of the songs are just like chorus 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 they're like verses who needs them a lot of the songs are like chorus 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 bridge chorus which is a choice like it almost feels almost Thursday-ish but without the like brains of Thursday the more, I the more I listened to Thursday, the more I realized they were so much smarter, like, in general, than any of their, like, emo post-hardcore peers at the time. I'm going to be way crueler than you. This song is about Bert's drug addiction and his recovery, and I think this is not even Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge good. <laughs> okay. I mean, lyrically, this is nothing. A lot of the songs are not... They're not offensive lyrically, but they don't exist. I think this musically is fine. It's, like, loud, and it has loud thinking, and I'm fine with it musically. But please, expose on your point. Well, it's very dirge-like in a lot of ways, and even for an emo group, there's no energy to this track, but it's not going in full goth, Bauhaus, or sludge. It's just very underwhelming, especially when he's repeating that he won't look back over and over and over. And my brain was still in shitpost mode from last week's bonus episode, so as a result, here is the progression of my notes through this song. By all accounts, he's correct. He is alive. What if there was an undead pop-punk band? Is that just Zombieland Saga? Do dead people transition more than the living? Oh, this isn't Bonus Town. I have to focus again. Shit. This is like Linkin Park. Uh, I don't know if I would call it like Linkin Park. They are... Again, they sort of, and I will say this a lot, they're sort of in between Thursday and Taking Back Sunday. They are not as pop and lightweight as Taking Back Sunday, and they're not as scammy as Taking Back Sunday. But they're not as heavy, and they're not as smart as Thursday. So it sort of sits in between. I think this song is fine, especially because it's an opener. So, you know, you can allow yourself a bit more tension without necessarily having release, especially because the big single is after this. So I think this structurally works fine within the record, but I get your point. I just think it's very basic and tells a lot about how no one in this band can write a song. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think there are a lot of good things in this record, but songwriting isn't one of them. Aesthetically, it's got some stuff going for it, especially that album cover. Oh yeah, the album cover is great. It's the um, that one assassin character they removed from Dark Souls 2 from the trailer. I'm going to pretend I know anything about what that means other than the time that Shodan was the final boss of that game. Have you not? Aren't, you don't like the Dark Souls games? Have I discovered a new thing about you? Are you not into Dark Souls? Did you not realize that I am... I was the person who was going around saying Lords of the Fallen was better than the Dark Souls series until they put out the Surge and made a much better game. Look, I just assume that every trans person is into Dark Souls. That's not my fault. <laughs> uh, ironically, despite my take on this, I think I've finished more of the series than anyone else in the house full of trans people. <laughs> that is fair. They buy all of them, and then they never get through them, but I'll cheat engine through them and make mayhem happen, so... Mm, that, that is a way to play them. I made someone really angry playing uh, Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin on a stream where I just unlocked all the teleport points and fought the story bosses in reverse order with someone guiding me on a stream, getting increasingly madder. That's not how you do this! You're not supposed to be here! Yeah, but I have a Moonlight Sword. That's New Game Plus only! Huh. Well, that's fun. She doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> uh, anyhow, should we talk about the taste of ink? Oh, I was really stalling to hope we didn't have to. Is it worth it? Can you even hear me? Starting with your spot that I 
Days to Bank is the big thing on, and it is in our intro on our podcast. And uh, I don't think any of us likes it. This is this was so overplayed when they debuted. It's the closest we come to scat singing on the record, but it's just a lot of spoken word over guitars. Very slowly spoken like this. Gonna keep this rhythm with it. Not doing an interesting thing. That would be... Yeah, it has both. this very like slow rhythmic thing going, and I sort of hate it. It's not great. It doesn't sound good to my years, to my untrained years. Uh, I know a lot of people have no- a lot of nostalgia for this record specifically and for this band. I'm coming to it clean. I never heard the youth before. So I'm gonna say I like things in this record. I like songs on this record. I don't like this specific song in this record. The chorus is not explosive enough. This is a big problem they have. I feel there are a lot of songs that would be great with like a really explosive chorus and they never quite get there in the song. It could that tension that they build with their slow rhythmic thing could have really used a, a more explosive, more harsh chorus and it doesn't really get that. It is even less energetic than the first track. It feels more pop. There are less Heavy guitars, it feels very dashboard confessionally in a way. Like, this feels very like. Wait, yeah, this feels very like what? Uh, screaming Infidelities to a point. That happens a lot on this record. Yeah. The singer is better than Chris Carabba. I'll give him that. I think the singer actually, like, can show emotion sometimes in his voice rather than just whatever was happening on Screaming Infidelities. I mean, the lyrics are nice. The lyrics are like, yeah, I love you and I will um, become famous and our relationship will still go on when I'm famous and nice things will arrive. That's wholesome, sort of. The problem is that it's so droning and repetitive. Oh, it is. It is. And there's no release, really. Like, I'm, I'm into, like, a droning, repetitive song and then you, like hit you with your chorus, you know, you hit the listener with the chorus, but this doesn't... There are some, there is some good drums. I think there are, especially in the chorus, there is some good drumming here, but aside from that... Also, there's a line that always sticks out in this among so many of them that blend together. It's four o'clock in the fucking morning! Always makes me think of the Goo Goo Dolls' is 3am, which is a better song. I mean, my my favorite line from this song is couldn't take this town much longer because it's the one in our intro. It is very much about getting out of this town. Something that we know a lot about. It's also about the fact that on this record he is in a quantum state of alive and not alive. Last time he was alive, now he's half dead but didn't plan to be. <laughs> do you have a graph? I do. I actually have a... How alive is the vocalist chart? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, the track that he seems most deceased on is On My Own, for the record. <sighs> are we free yet? I think we are free. We are free to go to the next song, which is um, Bulimic. <laughs> It is another song about drugs, if I'm not mistaken. It is, and because it is the 2000s, everyone learned that eating disorders were more than just anorexia, so bulimia is the one they cited to be hit. I don't know why this title is here, because nothing in it really matches it. It's just a weird shock jock kind of move. It's like the um, it's like the early mountain ghost thing, right? Where they you have a, the lyrics and then the title sort of like 
you have to figure it out how the title connects to the lyrics because it's not explicit. I'm sure it's, it's something like that. Probably, except none of this really works. The new Mountain Gods record is so good. Just just had to just gonna date this podcast because it dropped two days ago, and I, it's so good. I will not insult the album I have not heard yet. I will insult the album I listened to again today. The new Mountain Gods record is so good. It has like a lot of like dark, tense tracks, and and they re-recorded. They they finally had a studio recording of um. I shall beat in demonic light. I don't remember the title of the song, but that was that song is great. Although there's no bassoon on the new recording of the song, so it does lose some points for not having the bassoon on it. Anyhow, polemic. Um, I have notes for this. A line's a dime a million times, and I'm about to see all of them is a strong candidate for worst lyric on the album. Yeah, but it's not horrible. It's just not good. I don't know, I think this this experience on this podcast really lowered my bar for lyrics that I, I consider bad. It's like it is not am I in I'm I'm in your bedroom, am I turning you on? Repeated over and over and over by taking back Sunday, so I'm not even shocked by it. I have been listening to Garbage and Robert Smith for two weeks without uh, intermittent breaks of ska, so my bar is way up there. I have been listening to The Mountain Gods and Origami Angel. One of those bands have better songwriting than the other. I'll let you, I, I'll let you figure out which. I'm gonna guess it's the ones who are named after a David Cage game. <laughs> what? Yeah, the Origami Angels. <laughs> From Heavy Rain. <laughs> We're done. This podcast is over. Sean! Sean! You cannot Sean. remind me of David Cage game just like randomly. They Sean. are one of David Cage game are like one of the most inherently funny things in the universe to me. They're the video game equivalent of penises, which is just funny. They're just funny. You cannot explain it. Also, David Cage does have a head that looks like it would wiggle around and shift based on temperature. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but yeah, Bulimic almost feels like a My Chemical Romance track without the, like, wink and an odd, like, self-awareness. Which, I don't know, this kind of, like, really poppy, more emo pop works less well for me without that kind of like self-awareness, that playfulness. This is not a bad song. It's just trying really hard to be serious, which I get it. It's about a serious topic. But I don't think this guy is a good enough songwriter to express this serious topic well. Good news. The next track is an even worse outcropping of this. Ah, Oh yeah, again, bulimic, and it has a nice melodic bridge, which I don't say a lot, but the melodic bridge is pretty nice. The guitars go heavy, which is good, and these dudes cannot write choruses yet. I don't like the chorus on this song. It's very repetitive, gets repeated a lot, and it's not catchy, it's not explosive enough. Yeah, bulimic. It, it's fine, but not really. Terrible news if you don't want repetitive. We have to talk about Say Days Ago. Um, I actually like this one. I have, this is no joke, no notes on this after listening to it twice because my brain just refuses to recognize that it has started. It sounds like the crazy frog voice doing a car engine to me. 
Strange, because I feel the same. Strange, because I feel the same. I think what it tastes like. It tastes like ill, 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 ill. I'm looking at these lyrics, and I've heard this song at least twice today, and I cannot bring to mind any of the melody at all. I really like this song, actually. I think it's one of the, my favorite on the record. It It's just a good, fun emo song. It's like... It's a pretty straightforward post-hardcore track. It's sort of like mid-tempo-y with this like really nice lead guitar riff, which go you know, and it has like again this sort of like really good tempo to just like bob your head to it. It's not really a fast song. It's sort of again in that kind of mid-tempo angsty emo mode. And the screamo actually works well. I think they, they had they had two singers. One just regularly screams, the other the screamo. And the screamo felt a bit out of place in a bit of the previous tracks, specifically maybe Memories. But here the instrumentation is grungy and hard enough where I can actually see the screamo fitting very well. And it's not a complex song on anything. It's No, it's not. No, it's really just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus with a bridge at some point and like a final breakdown. It's a really repetitive song, but it has a really good mood. Like it's one of the songs where you just like, you know, slowly nod your head to it. And uh, it's like a mood. I like it. It's like a mood emo song. Post-hardcore emo mood song. Emo Even mood used fans slam on this one tacitly as I look at the genius annotation yet another song about his past crystal meth addiction I just find it funny that after four of those in a row even the fans are like okay please talk about I don't know puppies <laughs> dead puppies whatever yeah half dead puppies like in the Tim Burton movie at this point he is still alive on the graph Okay. <laughs> but good, good, we're good. going into poetic tragedy. sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers. That guitar just sounds like uh, the, the Californication to me. Not the song Californication, whatever was the big ballad on the record. Ah. Was it Under the Bridge? Under the Bridge was one of them, yeah. Yeah, this song sounds... The, the only note that I took is this song sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers and the second half tries so hard that it just sounds like a Disney song. Like, it's trying really hard to be emotional to a point that it becomes very theatrical and almost, like, musical-like. And it doesn't really fit with the whole, you know, cool emo thing when you try so fucking hard. Um, I don't like the song. This song is all about how growing up in a Mormon town sent him towards meth. What do you think is the percentage of Mormons addicted to meth? Um, it is less high than you would think. Ex-Mormons addicted to meth, on the other hand, probably pretty big. Yikes. I'm just saying, we're talking about the group who, at their most extreme, will avoid caffeine as a drug that they should not have in their bodies. I don't drink caffeine. Yes, but you don't think that it is a order given by an angel's golden plates from God. You don't know that I don't think that. I don't, but I also didn't know what you thought of David Cage the Penis Man until right now, so <laughs> I don't know a lot of things about you, Ellie. Look, I've played a lot of JRPGs. I probably have weird ideas about angels. It's true. I was debating getting a JRPG tattoo now that we can get uh, tattoos again. Ooh, what kind of JRPG tattoos? I want to get the phrase, Doth thou desire the power on my body? Oh, I like that. That is yes. pretty good. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I-, I approve of that. <laughs> this is uh this is a song about uh Bert talking about being Bert again. He hasn't yet met an Ernie, so he's still just voyaging in circles. And that's a direct quote, by the way. So he voyages in circles and succeeds getting nowhere, and he submits to the substance, the one that first got him there. But it's, hey, I'm a dreamer, but I'm too open-minded for this town, man. I mean, it's fine. I don't hate any of this. It's just not good. It's fine. This is the song that makes me think his metaphor license needs to be taken away because he's trying to quote the Bible, but also trying to be philosophical and trying to make a point about nihilism and trying to talk about being the lone man in a crowd full of sheeple and none of it clicks and every different verse has a new metaphor going on. I mean, metaphors are fun sometimes. But if you don't have any connective tissue between them, all you've done is just make yourself sound like a street preacher. Yeah, I feel like uh, there are a lot of emo acts where you you should take for, like one single record and just restrict them to no metaphors. You can just write like mundane-ass lyrics, like that one time that Jordan Darnielle wrote about eating a crispy chicken club with extra mayo and making a mess. Ooh. It's a great song, Picture of My Dress, from Getting Into Knife. Uh, but yeah, just... Fourth for a record, all of the emo band to talk about the most mundane shit that they can think of without metaphor. And I think they will all come out better songwriters from there. Yes. Come to Elaine's songwriting bootcamp, where you can only write about what you had for lunch. I mean, I presume you know the Roger Ebert quote about how you could tell a movie has failed. I, I don't probably, but remind me. Uh, He says, you know, a movie is a failure when whatever is happening on screen is wasting people who are so naturally interesting that you could film them talking at the catering tables at lunch and have a better product. I forget what he was discussing, but it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, how did you make this cast so dull? Was he talking about the Zack Snyder cut? He, He was dead by then. Are we sure? I think so, unless he buried himself alive. Almost always pick the best time to drop the worst lines. Almost made me cry again this time. Another false alarm. Red flashing lights. Well, this time I'm not going to watch myself die. Was there a video for Taste of Ink? I didn't find one. There was. I didn't watch it. I... It's been a hard day. I suspect it would not have been interesting based on the video for Buried Myself Alive, where they all dance like you strapped instruments to inflatable car salesman tube men. <laughs> that sounds amazing, though. I have never seen such a bunch of noodle-armed wiener kids. <laughs> Look, the, the main singer has great hair. He has great hair. Unfortunately, it's attached to the rest of his body, which appears to have been rigged by the animators from Food Fight. Wow, you're mean today. (laughs) You really have to see them in motion. They look like an animation error at all times in this video. (laughs) I now need to to search for this. Just watch uh, a couple seconds of that and you'll instantly know what I mean. Oh, come on, they're doing the the, the emo thing. Is the emo... <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but... <laughs> That's the problem. I'm not wrong. <laughs> ah. Also, 
How is the song with the line, I guess it's okay I puked the day away, not the track called Bulimia? Maybe it's like a butterfree venomous thing where people think that they've been swapped even though they clearly haven't. Um, never mind. It's a Pokemon thing. I don't think you you don't do Pokemon. I right? don't. That's yeah. That explains okay. why I none of those words sounded like. <laughs> this is a butterfree. This is a butterfly thing. Okay, sure. See, like I assumed you did Dark Souls, but I knew that you didn't do Pokemon. Like, not your vibe. This is another song on this album where I don't know why you would make this a single. It's so low energy. He's just doing the speak singing thing again. This is basically a The Calling song with some shouting. Like, it's that kind of, like, radio rock ballady. And I'm not gonna lie, the shouting does add a bit of dimension to the radio rock ballad format. (laughs) It's like, yeah, okay, I can get a bit more into this. Doesn't mean that I love it, but it's a better than average song in the genre, in its genre list. And uh, I don't think I'm going to listen to it ever again after, you know, this episode. Good call. I don't think it's bad, but uh, it's inherently flawed by being a radio rock ballad. Once again, in a case of even the used fans are kind of sick of this, this song is about the used lead singer Burt McCracken being in an abusive relationship with someone. They always toy around with his feelings, and he used drugs to escape the pain of the relationship. <coughs> this song could also be about his relationship with drugs. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, a couple of, like, it was in the Offspring, right? In the Offspring episode where um, Gwen was talking about the recovery record. They did their, their first record was the recovery record for the youth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is, the used is a band that does not have a, we did wild stuff on drugs, period. And they just went straight to the, oh, we suck because we're coming off of drugs, period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, a box full of sharp objects? Like a pencil case? Pencils are sharp. As someone who's discovered that their uh, job did not have a pencil sharpener anywhere recently, a pencil case does not necessarily have to be a box full of sharp objects. That's right. We literally scoured the building and I had to whittle pencils sharp. This is the JRPG screaming at God battle theme. Yeah, uh, it's got a rock thing, and especially uh, the bridge, do you want a song of glory? Well, I'm fucking screaming at you right after found a box of sharp objects. What a beautiful thing. I mean, it is a factually correct lyric. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is fine. This is another post-hardcore, mid-tempo, heavy guitar alternating like regular screaming and screamoing. Again, I think they have trouble with choruses. I don't find the chorus particularly stand out and they repeat it a lot. But some really good guitar works, good energy, angry, edgy. Yes. Uh, It's a good song. Favorite song on the album for me. I did, however, cheat and look up the lyrics before uh, the live record because of the fact that the way he pronounces one line had me convinced he was saying glorified by water sauce. It turns out it's what is ours. <laughs> oh, water sauce. I wanted to know what water sauce was. My favorite movie, water sauce. Ah, yes. Beer Fest sequel, water sauce. Now, let's talk about the next track, Blue and Yellow. 
It's that third single we were mentioning. McCracken here because this is his description of how this was written and I think this sums up a lot of how every song on this record came out. Blue and Yellow is really close to my heart. I wrote it about Quinn, our relationship and how close we are. The first day we met was special. He's just one of those people that you meet in your life that's special. You know you're going to be with this person forever and you know you're going to be close to that person. And it's pretty much about being in a band with someone. Being around someone 24 hours a day is a really hard thing to do, and sometimes we don't get along the greatest, but if it came down to it, I'd much rather be Quinn's friend than be in a band with Quinn. That's how close our relationship is. It's great. That's how close that song is to me. I love it. Listening to that is the verbal equivalent of the songwriting of The Used. You're not wrong, <laughs> but... I think this is the only song of the record that has a really good vocal melody going on. Uh, I don't like ballads generally. I think this is solid. I think the um, production by Feldman throughout this record is a bit too much. We haven't mentioned it a lot, but there are strings everywhere on this record because uh, our transphobic friend isn't one for subtleties. It's like you have to feel emotions. I'm going to slam like three layers of strings here <sighs> but they sort of fit on this song which is a more slow ballad I think they do some really good dynamic and interesting things with the melody and with the structure you know there are some bits that are like very understated and when they are repeated they are very scream this is nothing super original but it gives a movement to the song it's not just like the boring ballad there is like an evolution there's a movement there's a dynamicity to it and uh, vocal melody i think it's really good uh, actually a really catchy vocal melody i don't think this is an amazing song but i think as far as the slow radio single goes this is sort of how you do it there's care there's like good stuff in the song and as someone who tends to eat the slow radio single i like this i think this is a song that i enjoy personally it has this really good just like evolution where it starts very understated with like this almost whispered singing that you get you you go into this nice chorus then you go into some more scream stuff it's cool it's a good Good song. They're a good song, Brent. I think this was my favorite of the three singles, but I also could not find anything more interesting to say about it than that quote and this is a generic emo track. So my brain started wandering and I wrote down questions for myself during this. Like, do they make non-goth drow? This album feels like what the goth drow would listen to when not praying to Lolth, but then I realized they all wear spiderweb dresses and like tall pale chicks. So like, then I started thinking, are there goth elves on the surface? And like, how about dwarves? Can you get a goth dwarf? Are Dwergar just goth dwarves? I have no answers, but I'm definitely going to be in your D&D campaign if you're running this. Because, I mean, like, we have the answer to humans and half-elves. We know goths exist among our species, so clearly a half-elf could be half-goth. But I don't know about elves. Uh, Kender are, unfortunately, brain-damaged, so they cannot be goth. Uh, I'm sorry, this is just how the cosmology works. Um, yeah, I, I started going further with that, but then I ran out of song and had to pay attention to Greener with the Scenery. I love you just a
Oh, Screaming Green Fidelities. Love it. Oh. I don't like this song, but it's trying really hard throughout it. I don't know how else to describe it aside from a song that's trying really, really hard and sort of ends up running in circles. Like it has this big theatric ending where everyone is just shouting, there are strings. I seem to remember there is a key change, but I'm not sure, but it's really, really trying. And um, when you're just like there being like, yeah, can we go to the next song? The next song is better. Um, my description would be a guy with a guitar would play this at a party because he has just read Scott Pilgrim versus the world and it inspired him. And then when we get to the part where he just starts naming shapes over and over, I feel like there's a kindergarten teacher in the room with me. That's the vibe this song gives off. Round we go, round again circles, round we go, round again circles. Play this game over again. Round we go, round again circles. You took it back. You took it this back. This does sound like a kindergarten chant. <laughs> uh, they, the funny thing is that this songs are all like normal size. They're like three to four minutes. But if you go on uh, Genius, the lyrics are so tiny because they repeat stuff a lot. Some of them are. The Taste of Ink. Holy crap. That's long. I think it's the longest page on the album. Yeah, I don't know. This was where I started getting a little salty, but we were so close to the end that I wasn't going to get really dickish about it. And if you really want to hear me get mad, the next two tracks. the next one. I think it's a flawed track, but Noises and Kisses, by the way. Um, I think the verses are really good, they build tension, and then they just fail to have a decent chorus to release that tension. I think it's the same problem as other songs on the record. Has a really heavy bridge, into their bridge, I think they get really chugga chugga heavy on that. That's good, but yeah, it sort of has this very sparse intro, which creates like a nice tension, and it seems like it wants to contrast it with like some really meaty chorus, except that then it doesn't, so it just feels a bit empty. On the other hand, this is another song where they play a lot with structure, they try to make a lot of their basic structure very dynamic, the verses are not played always the same. The choruses are played much differently throughout the song. At the beginning, it's very quiet. Then it gets very loud. And I like, like, I think this band has potential. As someone who doesn't know where they will go, I listen to the stuff and it's like, you understand music. You don't understand how to write a song yet, but you understand the musicality of structuring a song you just don't have that kind of pop grasp on it yet which really makes me like want to see where they go because i think if they just had better songs and they did all of the stuff that they do on this record which is really good just with better songs they could be great like this record could be great if it had someone better at writing choruses on it and someone who trimmed a bit of the weaker songs. This is the first one that got me actually angry, because the two things that I hate most in songwriting are when you start doing describing the room around me lyrics, which is not the case here. We don't have, 
I look at lamp and it's just falling because I'm slamming. That kind of thing. Counterpoint to that, uh, that one clipping song. Okay, okay. It can be done right. I, I remember the name, the one where it describes like the scene of a shooting. And it just like describes the room and it's so good. I won't say it can't be done. I will just say that as a general rule, it's a pet peeve. But number two is when you write a line and then to make it rhyme or to pad out scansion, you just add whatever that is or so they say or some kind of ironic scoff at the words you just delivered. So I'm jaded now, whatever that means. And that's that's how half of the verses end is whatever that means. It sounds like a bad stand-up routine. And this guy is worse at stand-up than he is at writing songs. And you already know how I feel about that. So this one just honked me off six ways from Sunday. Also, the orange I choked is a strange line. I, I think that's completely fair. I sort of stopped paying attention to any of the lyrics of this record, like three tracks in, where it was like, yeah, okay, you're just talking about your addiction on every track. Um, I I don't hate this song. I think it's very flawed structurally, but I think it, you know, it does interesting things. You know what's not flawed or interesting? Me? On my own. This is uh, the, the the other version of Screaming Infidelities here. It's like the acoustic track. You have to have an acoustic track if you're an emo band, unless you're My Chemical Romance and you understand what people want from you. Um, oh, I'm so looking forward to My Other cam. bands would call this the acoustic demo version. Mm. It, look, it's fine. If you want to have like the acoustic track on your record, it's fine. I'm just going to be very snarky about it because it's almost never good like it's almost never good when you have like a rock record and in the middle of it you just have an acoustic song it's just just not it's not good I'll be crueler I got a lamp store ad before this that had more energy than this whole song it was 15 seconds long <laughs> um this also has strings on it. This has a lot of strings because it's acoustic, so you have to triple the amount of strings you put on it. And the only thing, the only good thing that I can say is that uh, Zach McCracken has a better voice than the Dashboard Confessional guy. Like, he actually, like, shows some emotions in the song, even if it's not a particularly good or interesting song. I don't know. This is it. This is my the extent of my thought on it. Uh, screaming on my own over and over as four instruments back you is some idiot shit. That's my take. There's half a friggin' orchestra class behind this guy. On my own, yeah. On my own. And another line that will make me want to punch you, knowing nothing is better than knowing it all. Ugh. Ignorance is bliss. They thought that this was the most powerful and beautiful thing they'd ever heard when the orchestra came in to do the strings. When the orchestra came in in every song to do the strings, I hate it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, rock, rock it by heart. Started the day. 
Uh, let's end this record. Let's mend all of the pieces of this record with pieces mended, which is um, a solid song. Like, it doesn't have a good chorus, they don't get there on this record, but this is uh, one of the songs where I don't have a lot of good to say about it, but it's just very listenable. Like, if you like emo-ish post-hardcore, this has a very, like, good riff. Reminds me of Trice, the riff on this song. Good screamo singing, hard-hitting energy. This is completely fine. It's another mid-tempo, post-hardcore sort of emo song. I don't hate it. It's listenable. I don't have anything particularly great to say about it, which is a lot of this record. This will be a short episode because a lot of my comments on this is like, this is fine. I don't have anything great to say about it. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It sort of sounds like Thrice. Or early My Chemical Romance would work too. It's... Perfectly alright. I think of it as a good closer to a 2 out of 5 album. Mm -hmm. Oh, I but way higher than that. Uh, I think it's a 3 out of 5 album. I think I dislike it just enough that I wouldn't give it that third star. 2.5 out of 5, but not a full 3. Yeah, I, I could get behind that. I don't know. It definitely loses a lot when you list, when you go and look at it track, track by track, like a lot of records on our... We'll get that on the final thoughts. Anything else to say about this track? Oh, yeah. Um, again, it's a, it's a very good closer, but I hate how the bridges on this song feel like he's been possessed by a beetle at random, and then he just starts repeating a word over oh, and over. Oh, number nine. Number pieces. Nine. Number nine. Pieces. 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 Yeah. Morning. Morning. It's such a weird vibe. Like, if it were echoing behind him singing, okay, I've got something, but like, you wanted me to focus on this? And did you listen to the bonus tracks that came after this? The first one is called Polly, and it is them doing a skit with some woman doing a bad British accent. And it's just talking about the fashion industry it is. Oh yeah, you gotta dress right, you gotta get l- I hated it. Unless it's not racist, you cannot be racist against the British. It's true. And then after that is a- Oh god, my crazy bitch X track called Choke Me. It has a very pop-punk vibe, unlike most of this record. Uh, a lot of energy, a lot of screaming, but, you know, here's the chorus. You're so crazy, you're so crazy, you're so crazy enough, in a way that I'll probably say you destroyed me. I don't like that. Oh, I'm not even talking about the part where he's just screaming, Fuck my ass now! Fuck my ass now! Choke me, 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 choke me! Look, I'm not good at king shame. <laughs> but it's... It's just like, wow, where was this energy for half of the record? Because, lyrical content aside, this woke me up, and I think this is a better closer to the album. That is fair. I will have to go back and listen to this eventually. One day in the future. Yeah! Donald Duck, Sunny D, Tampico, Capri Sun. Orange couch, plastic wrap, what's happening, rerun. Oak frame, hologram, Jesus portrait. Brown shag carpet, broken screen door to the back porch. Pipes in the toilet, gurgle every six minutes like clockwork. Grandfather's clock not working, great grandmama's crock pot chock full of stew meat. Who me said a speech bubble on a dog on a Sunday morning comic clipped and stuck up to the fridge with big chip bag magnet, big chip stacked in the armoire. Behind glass where the dominoes and the bicycle cards are. And the thick yellow and crystal tumblers, one sits on the table. With a single ice cube melting into a thimble full of Jack Daniels. The telephone receiver hangs, swinging by the cord. And the front door is swinging, wide open accordingly. And that big block engine turning over into Caprice. That's peeling out of the driveway, letting the tires scream. Oh, yeah. Storm coming. Everybody inside. It's a war coming. Let, let us go to the end. Let, do you have any final thoughts about this record? The Used are not a band that I am writing off yet, but boy do I hope that somebody steps in and tells them they need to up their lyrical game, because if this is the kind of band who takes the success on this record and goes, yeah, we did it, we're mainstream, we don't need to improve in any way, they, I am going to hate them every time they arrive. 
Yeah, I think this record shows a lot of potential. I think they do instrumentally, they do a lot of good. They have a lot of good ideas. They have a lot of their songs have a lot of dynami dynamism. I don't know, whatever, however you pronounce that word. Uh, but they're very dynamic in a way that a lot of their contemporaries aren't, which would be great if their songs were good. <laughs> they do lack in songwriting and not just lyrically. I think they cannot write a punchy chorus to save their lives. A lot of their songs are sort of weird in that they, there's, you know, a lot of rock music, a lot of especially like emo music is like tension release, tension release. I say this a lot, but it's a, it's a tried and true formula and they don't quite seem to grasp it. But the good things that this record does are honestly enough for me to be like, okay, let's see what you do next. Because I don't think this record is bad. I think it's between 3 stars and 2.5. And of course, as many records gets worse the, when you go and listen to, you know, really analyze track by track. But it sounds good. All of the instrumentation on this record is good. There are some good drumming. Some decent guitar work. Not exceptional, there's nothing that blew my mind, but it's very competent post-hardcore guitar work. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hear about The Used again. What are we doing next, Sybil? Next up, we're going to see the debut of a new band, The Starting Line, who come at us with Say It Like You Mean It. Uh, Mark Trombino produced, drive through, put it out. It's 50 minutes long, and it only has a single single, so... Same song, different chorus. So, this was an episode. There are things that we say at the end of the episode, but I forgot them, but I do have them noted down. You know this shit. I, I'm I'm in a foul mood today. You know this shit. Go to our website. It's getoutofthistown.com If you want to email us, getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com If you think we've been unfair to the youth, I know there are people who hold them in really high regard, especially with this record. I think you all are just like sort of nostalgic because this record is not that great, but feel free to send us hate mail at that email. It's not terrible. Oh no, it's not say bad. That. It's just like I've seen people rate it 4 out of 5. And it's like... Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GGOOTT Podcast, which is our Twitter for the Gotta Get Out of This Town podcast, which is the podcast that you're listening right now. And it has a Twitter, which is GGOOTT Podcast. And if you add us there, I will reply to you. I... We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play. You can read and review us. You, you can do things to... Do you have anything to plug, Sybil? You can find me at hellscaper.com And you can find me as always on Twitter at ACCTheMoon And um, we do not have a Patreon but if you want to support us, please buy our podcast new and not used. So all of our proceedings go to us. I don't know. That was a joke. Have a good night, people. Uh, we'll see you next time and we'll have more energy. We promise. I, I cannot promise that. It's not an emo album next time. That'll probably help. I guess. Yeah, what's the next song? Buried, Buried by, yeah, Myself right. Alive, yes. You were doing it yeah, you were doing a transition there, I got it. I'm yeah. doing a lot of transitions right now. Let's let's not go into that. <laughs> uh. So